Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest is someone I met on Instagram and immediately wanted her to be on here to share a part of her experience as an adoptee. She creates wonderful and thought-provoking content on social media, and her name is Mary Herbert. Listen to what she says on her Because Adoption website. I am an adoptee that has dedicated her adult life to finding just the right place to belong. Many adoptees subconsciously feel caught between what could have been and what is. I spent years trying to find my biological family, only to be faced with what seemed to be unattainable goals. As I worked through these obstacles, I grew despite many unraveling truths about my past. On my journey of self-discovery, I was able to find my strength, but I wish that I had a support system from the start, someone to lean on. Allow me to introduce you to someone who engages with the adoption community with such ease. When I reached out to her, she responded back to me quickly and was more than willing to be among all of the other adoptees on this podcast who want to help others in adoption land. Hello, Mary. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so thrilled that you're going to share part of your experience as an adoptee for the show today. And I know we haven't met in person yet, but I've gotten to know a bit about you through Instagram, through social media. I mean, you've got like over 2,000 followers and your posts inspire me so much. So I want to thank oh, you for being, so yeah, being present on there. And there oh, was one in particular... You. Yeah, one in particular from April 26, 2021. Storytelling can be healing to both the listener and the storyteller. How did you come up with that? I think it's just great. I know we were chatting a little bit before we started recording here, but, you know, adoption is a big part of my life now. Since I started that social media page, it wasn't always super present in my life, but now that it is... I talk about it every day and I love nothing more than to talk to adoptees and birth moms and adopted parents, just anyone in the triad of adoption ideas sort of just come to me. But I took a class with a bunch of really great women about had nothing to do with adoption, but it was sort of had to do with finding yourself and what's the next chapter. I went through this crazy story during the pandemic with my adoption. And I said, for goodness sakes, I love telling my story because it's so healing to me. And I want to figure out how to make something good out of it. It sort of stemmed from that because as much as I think it helps when we share our stories, it always helps the listeners. But for goodness sakes, I always feel good when I get off a podcast or get off a one-on-one -on -one with an adoptee, which I love to do. And it's healing for me too. You know, new ideas come to me, new thoughts. I connect different dots than I normally do such as the adult adoptee evolution, right? You kind of grow a little bit each time you address it. And I just love that. So that's sort of where that stemmed from. 
Well, you do such a great job. And I know that I know I just like want to go to your page daily to see what you've created. <laughs> and I, I think so it's silly. Yeah, it's really it's good for the community, you know, to have you there. So well, let's just jump right into wherever you want to start and however much you want to share about your your adoption journey. Sure. I find sometimes I talk to other adoptees and their stories are a little bit shorter than mine, but I find that mine, again, the word evolution kind of continues to come up in my story, but I think mine has been a process. I've needed a lot of patience. Some days I don't express that patience as well as I should, but mine has been sort of a lengthy journey where at age 18, I received a folder from my parents, my adopted parents who I adore and love. And there wasn't a lot of craziness in our house. Uh, we had a, a great stable home, lots of schools, lots of opportunities and trips. And I don't have a lot of complaints about my family growing up and adoption was just there. It just was part of who I was. It was not talked about. It wasn't weird. And then I turned 18 and got this folder from them. They had withheld that information on purpose. So I was an adult and I don't blame them for that, but it had some information. There was no names, but it had some non-identifying information like what you know my mother looked like as far as hair color eye color you know she was one of two children etc cetera, etc cetera. and all of a sudden my adoption sort of became important to me it was real and i came from a real human it wasn't just a story that was told to me you know all of a sudden there was a person out there that i really wanted to know and find and she was a, a real thing once i got some of these facts so that's sort of where i started the wheels started spinning in my brain to try to look for her I did have one conversation with her after I got married and I had found her and had one conversation with her and we were thinking about having kids and I was very interested in medical history and the conversation was beautiful. I mean, we talked for an hour and a half. She explained a, a lot of questions. She said, this is like so wonderful. I, I really want to be friends and know you and I'm so grateful that you found me. And, and then she dropped off the face of the earth. Mm. I couldn't find her she didn't answer my calls. I then spent the next six years of my life growing my own family. I am a very proud mom of four kids and biological kids. They are my bloodline. Since I was a little, little girl, I wanted a big family. I do attribute some of that back to adoption. My dream came true. The Lord was very good to me and, and handed me these four beautiful kids. Throughout those six years, I reached out to her about twice a year, my biological mom, about twice a year in hopes that she would have a change of heart and really want to know me and, and know that I was a mom. Each one of those births was so triggering for me, talking about the adoption. How could someone hand over a baby? How could, how could someone do this? And those are super triggering events when you have your own children. You know, your mindset changes again when you have your own. We touched base again about eight years after that first phone call. You know, everything was water under the bridge. I never asked why you didn't answer. Why didn't you seek me out? Why didn't you want to know me? Am I not good enough? I was challenging my, my own self-worth because that's hard to send a text or two every year and not be answered for years and years. Yes. Um, and one day, you know, she answered and it was clearly a mistake. She was clearly not knowing who was on the other end of the phone when I called. And we scheduled an appointment to meet and I got on a train and I had my baby with me, my fourth baby, I was still nursing. And so I took him with me. I got on the train. I took my best friend for support 
and this was my moment. This was my time. I was going to meet her. I could not wait. I got my hair done. I bought a new outfit. I mean, I've envisioned this my whole life since I was 18 years old. I got there and I waited and I waited and I waited and, you know, she didn't show up. You know, that stung more than I thought it would. You would think I'd be used to her not showing up or answering me, but to displace myself and my part of my family and to be in a location I was unfamiliar with and to not have the person show up you think it's going to was, you know, it's hard. It was really hurtful in that moment. Yes, that and is. So that sounds like so painful. Oh, uh, yeah. And, I mean, and I'm sorry that luckily, that happened. Thank you. I didn't cry about it or get upset. I just kind of said, well, you know, she's not ready. I like to think at the moment I had some empathy for what that probably took for her to muster up the courage to come and meet someone that you've given up for adoption. And I understand. But at the very moment of of her not showing up, there was some anger in me. That was a new emotion. I hadn't experienced anger towards her. For a good 24 hours, I was mad. I was really upset with her. How could you not show up? How could you schedule this? So I was frustrated. And then, you know, I got home and kind of picked up with life again. Two years later, I got a text from her significant other from her phone, and she was very sick. He let me know that she was ill. And that's sort of when the world was breaking out in the pandemic. I kind of remember getting this text message, and I was out to dinner with my husband. I remember sliding the phone across the table and being like, you will not believe who just texted me. She's sick. Something's wrong. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I kind of looked up to the Lord and said, you know, I'm a woman of faith. And I just said, what, what's going on? Like, why, why are you dropping her in my lap right now? You know, I had kind of made peace that we weren't going to connect. And that was a hard hump to, you know, walk over also. And I was there, I was in a good place. And then here she comes again, dropped in my lap. I immediately went into mom mode and I called the husband or, you know, Sarah's significant other. And I just said, what can I do? What does she need? Does she need liver? Does she need blood? Like, what does she need to feel better? And he let me know it was a little bit more severe than that. So I spent the next couple of weeks talking to him and getting to know her through him, which was wonderful. You know, I I hadn't had access to her life until then. Now, Um, had had you, you... I'm sorry. No, go ahead, please. Did you have a picture of her? Did you have um, something other than the conversation? over the phone yes okay yes so i i did have a couple of photographs from her they were provided to me through well her significant other sent me a few once i connected with him um you know just over the phone but i had a couple of actual photographs because i had by at this point found my biological father and they were high school sweethearts you know that's a whole nother story in its entirety mm-hmm. <laughs> Then this one, um, but he was very generous. As soon as he figured out who I was, he wanted to provide, you know, as much as he could to me. So oh, that he was had good. Some... Yeah, and he's a wonderful, wonderful person. And he lives across the United States from me, so we are super far apart. But he was very generous with what he had. And so I did have a few photographs. They were from high school, so I didn't know what she looked like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got a photo from her significant other, of what she looked like in the hospital. You know, I said, do you have a current picture of her? And he shot me a photo, I think, without even thinking about it, of what she had looked like at that time. And I mean, it was shocking. It was really hard to see because she was in this awful state of being really sick and wires and tubes. And that was shocking 
my whole life I've envisioned us meeting in a coffee shop or meeting, you know, at a park and running up to each other and hugging each other. I mean, isn't that what we do, right? Is create these fantasies. We just create these moments of what we're hopeful for. And you, you're, Go ahead. you're, um, you're making me think about what I learned. I found a grave. My birth mother was deceased when mm-hmm. I found out who she was. And she had been sick for like the last two years of her life. And I often wonder, would I want to see her that way? So I, yeah. I can picture how hard that must have been for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and just so unexpected, you mm-hmm. know, it's not what we as adoptees envision. We don't think we're going to see a grave. We don't think we're going to see a death certificate or a woman hooked up to tubes and pipes and wires. And I mean, that is shocking. No one wants to see someone, you know, let alone someone you feel like you've known your whole life. I mean, it's an odd, it's hard to explain to people that are not adopted. It's hard to understand. I think when you're, talking about your love for someone and your desire to be with someone and your desire to find someone. I mean, I was pushed and pushed and pushed from this internal source, you know, this primal instinct to get to her. Mm-hmm. It's unexplainable. You really cannot, there's no words, there's no explanation for why, you know, I've had friends say to me, why did you need to get to her? Like she said, no, so many times she did not answer your texts. She did not Right. call you. She knew where you were. You gave her your address. She could have come down and seen you. You are not far apart. She mm-hmm. chose not to. Why did you continue to push? There's something in you that is primal, that is from your genetics. And that may sound silly to some people, but something powered me, pushed me to get to her no matter what it took. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super grateful so thankful, so grateful that I did get to her. She eventually woke up. She was in a coma for a couple of weeks and she eventually woke up and I had a conversation with her and then she got a little bit better and a little bit better. I have to tell you, I, I forget this part sometimes and I, I don't share this often, but when she woke up and her significant other said to her, I've been speaking to Mary and, and she's been praying for you and, and talking with me about you and she'd like to talk to you and and my mother agreed. And so we had a, a couple of these conversations. And then when she got better, there was a little bit of panic. Some panic set in to, to me in my heart because I, I wasn't sure where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we had now gotten to know each other. But true to form, you know, she has disappeared many times and been unresponsive and I didn't know that I wanted to go through that. I didn't know that I could handle that because I truly at this point had so many conversations with her that I, I put her in the category of someone I loved. You know, I loved this woman. I wanted her to get better. I now knew her. I had talked to her. You know, I had spoken with her about my children and my life and I had learned about hers and now it would be devastating to lose her. Very extensive, long story cut a little bit shorter is, you know, she passed away 10 days after I went up and visited her for the day. You know, I I went up and and she had been disconnected from all the the tubes and pipes and all those awful things you see when people are very, very sick. She was in hospice and very peaceful, but she was asleep. I remember before leaving, I'd been there eight hours that day in hopes that she would open her eyes and, and wake up and see me. Isn't that what we all wait for, right? Mm-hmm. Is, yes. Is for our mothers to look at us and say, wow, 
you really are something special and and we crave that we crave that it's not that we didn't get it you know some people don't but i i got a lot of appreciation from my adoptive parents i wasn't missing that but there was something missing that my adoptive parents couldn't fill right you know it was that first mother biological mother genetics you know it was something that pulled me towards her and i just remember before leaving i had my hands on hers and i just said can you please wake up like i've traveled you know here to see you and i've wanted you for so long like can you please just open your eyes you know Mm. and just look at me and and give me a a breath give me something and and it's maybe that sounds selfish to some listeners but to me it was what I had waited for my whole life. Yeah, and... for sure. And it doesn't sound the least bit selfish to me. And, and, <laughs> and I think your words here remind me of the book, The Primal Womb, like what Nancy mm-hmm. Verrier was explaining to the reader. It is, yeah. it's in us as adoptees. Um, sometimes sure. we um, may just ignore it, I think, or play mm-hmm. it off. Um, but I think it's there, that primal womb and wanting just what you described. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to explain. It really is, but we, it's a missing piece, right? Mm-hmm. That can't be filled. It cannot be filled through becoming an adrenaline junkie or becoming a drug addict or becoming any sort of extreme that is not the typical norm, right? It cannot be filled except by this one person. Right. And so here I was and here she is right in front of me and, and it just didn't happen. And, you know, I made peace. I left. I was able to meet her son, who I love to death. And she parented her son. He is in college and just a wonderful kid. And when he comes to visit my family, I just think he's one of mine. And I love him. And I know that that's the reason I went up there is to meet him. And, you know, she unfortunately passed, but he's still here. And so I know that that's our, that's our connection. So when I left that day, I I did have some peace and, you know, a huge smile on my face that I had gotten the privilege to meet someone else that, you know, was part, partly me and partly her. Right. Um, And you know, what's really cool about reunion, especially when we find a sick birth parent or a deceased birth parent is what is possible. mm -hmm. What is possible is the relationship you have. That's your sibling, your youngest sibling. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I know you know this, but your listeners don't quite unless they, unless they know my story. But when I left that day, um, I got to know, you know, my brother and I just said, let's stay in touch. And we spoke every day. He would come to be with our mom uh, every day at a certain time of day and would sit down next to her. And the two of us would just kind of talk on the phone or talk through chat or talk mm-hmm. through FaceTime next to her and I think she you know I like to think she listened and knew we were getting to know each other and you know in her final days through those days and through a wonderful you know DNA service um, we discovered that she had given up three others after me following me uh, to adoption Mm -hmm. and this was a complete complete shock to her son he didn't even know about me to find out we had a sister and then a brother and then another sister. And then 12 years later, she had uh, my brother who I got to meet Mm. and, you know, she parented him. So she had five of us and as short as her life was, I think 
you know, the legacy she left behind is, is beautiful and incredible. And that was, you know, part of her reason for existence, I think, is just to have all these babies and place them in different places, which is super uh, complicated. There's a, there's a piece of me that's so thankful and so grateful uh, that I did get to her before, before she passed, because had I not, I don't know that we would have found all this out. I don't know that we would have uncovered some of these sad, unfortunate secrets, but also these beautiful additions to all of our lives, right? Aren't we all so lucky to have extra people in our lives? Yeah, we, we are very fortunate. And I, I know too how complicated uh, adoption mm-hmm. is in some stories more than even more than others. How did you best navigate the complexity of your story? Well, (laughs) I would say it was pretty straightforward until just this past year and a half. You know, the journey was super long looking for her, but it was it was fairly straightforward as far as she doesn't want to be found. And I still want to get to her. She doesn't want to be found and I still need her and she won't answer. You know, it was fairly straightforward. The complexity that that was created at the end of this story, I'm still working through it. I don't think we ever fully work through things. I mean, even sitting here chatting with you today, my mind is spinning and going in a different direction, you know, and I can, I can think of, of thoughts that I hadn't thought of, you know, I really, I think we're all still working through it. So I I don't know that I have worked through it all the way. I have gotten to the point where I think the story is important and it's not something to hide and that it can help others. And, you know, I'm a big supporter of people sharing their stories because it helps others uh, and selfishly helps me, too. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a give and take for sure. And yeah, and I know I when I first got connected to the adoption community, I just read every book I could get my hands on, you know, like um, mm-hmm. other like memoirs and and other yeah. adoptees having a say in what happened to them like that. That was my big thing and then also learning about other members of the constellation like birth parents sure. and, and what their story was because it's it's intertwined with ours you know yeah it, absolutely yeah I just think it's trauma all the way around you know yes ma'am yeah so yeah I, I think I had not I had not heard that word trauma associated with adoption until I had gone through all of this I never would have put the two together and of course the notorious uh, phrase, you know, coming out of the fog. You know, I think it took this story to take this crazy turn for me to really be able to appreciate and accept what adoption actually meant. You know, you do hear trauma, the word trauma and adoption associated heavily together, you know, linked together. And I think the education surrounding that and just people understanding and linking the two is, is really important and new completely new. I don't, I don't think it was spoken about, you know, when we were adopted. No, I don't remember. Same here. I don't remember hearing trauma at all growing up and, and, and not even really, I guess, paying attention to it when I first got connected to the community. It's just been, I guess, since the primal wound, Mm -hmm. which I want to say, yeah, like 2010 or 11, you know, I read it, right? And then I revisited it again. I read it again, like last, like 2021. And mm-hmm. um, and it was like, I I finally heard trauma. Like I finally got it. <laughs> it wasn't making the connection 
a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. So what, what's yeah. been the best thing for you about being connected to the adoption community? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I know. That's a so big question. <laughs> that is a big question. <laughs> you know, I, it's a huge support for me. So that's, that's the selfish part of it, right? I just, I love helping others. I live for it. I am a, um, <laughs> I am a people pleaser by nature. I love helping people as much as possible. And to have a group of people that understand that, embrace that, I think sometimes that's looked down upon as you're such a, you know, people pleaser, or you, you know, have a backbone. But that's truly why I feel like I'm here is to walk through some of these experiences with others because it's really hard to do it alone. I had a wonderful husband that, I mean, I have a wonderful husband that, that walked me through this, but it was hard. It was really hard not to have somebody else that's adopted understand and explain, you know, these feelings and, and coming out of the fog and, you know, the need to get there and the need for approval and the need for acceptance from this woman that I just, I had never had my hands on. Why do you need that? You know, it, so I, I love nothing more than, than talking to other people that are going through the reunion phase or thinking about it or, even just even just people that reach out and say, like, thank you, you know, that that feels so good to be able to help others. And so I love being on social media and, <laughs> and talking to others in the same, you know, in the same in the same boat that we're in. Right. I, mean, I think it's this <laughs> unwritten special club that we all are kind of a part of. And and I think the support is wonderful. But again, I want to, like, be really careful and, and just say like I don't believe this support was there during you know if adoptive parents are listening to this I I think there's a group of us 30s 40s 50s that were products of closed adoptions and we may have different feelings than parents that are looking for resources now because they have adopted children their children may not feel the same way as we do and I just always want to be kind of careful about saying that your child may not have the same instincts to find their biological mom as I do or as someone else does from a closed adoption because for goodness sakes there's so many adoptions that are open now and I think that's a much better category to be a part of and much better club to be a part of just to have the wealth of information that open adoptions have is I think would would minimize the the need to find someone that's so unknown because you have a little bit more at your access you know information that you have access to. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm glad you shared that. Your page, your Instagram page, I just urge adoptive parents listening, birth parents, and uh, certainly adoptees to go and just see how you have really, like you've put things together on there that, that are definitely, um, like I say, they're inspiring to me, but they're also thought-provoking. And, and I just think people might need that. Like there are spaces where people can go now, platforms all over the place where you can get information. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you, you do need to be in a place where you get just a little bit more information that has you thinking. And I think you do sure. that so well. Oh, thank <laughs> yes, you. For sure. Well, I really have appreciated 
this conversation. I thank you so much for taking the time to have it. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? I, I don't, I, I can't think of anything. I, I would just encourage, I would just encourage the more information you can gather about it, the better you are. I, I think education is so key when talking about adoption and being open-minded and having some patience because it is so much more complicated than putting in a request for a child and being matched with the child. I mean, that is that is a really hard part of it. But after you adopt a child, it's forever. You know, you deal with the adoption forever. Mm-hmm. And questions come up and things you don't even think about come up. Yes. When you're holding that new new baby, you know, when adopted parents are holding that new baby and you think like, oh, the hard part's over. You know, I have I have this baby in my arms. I mean, that's that is a hard part. I don't belittle that part at all. But the rest of it, you know, you're a parent for life and, and the complexities may not come out until your kid's 25 mm-hmm. or 35. I was 35 before I really started exploring what adoption has done or has meant or why I am the way I am. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. That's kind of an important thing, I think. It is. And I will definitely include, if you if you like, I, I'll include Because Adoption in the show notes on thank Instagram. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Mary. Thank you. This is great. I really appreciate you reaching out. Mary reminded me of my feelings of heartbreak when learning about my birth mother's illness that preceded her death 16 years before I knew her name and could be in reunion. I can only imagine the heartbreak of Mary's experience watching her mother prepare to make her earthly transition without having time to know the woman who gave her life. I sat with her words long after our talk. It was painful hearing of Mary's repeated rejections from her birth mother after that initial phone call, yet she managed to continue reaching out to her through the years in hopes of the opportunity for them to get to know each other. I often consider what's possible in reunion, and it's sometimes a relationship with a sibling or extended family member. I appreciate Mary sharing how a relationship with her youngest biological sibling has been a beautiful part of her story that gives her joy. Thank you, Mary, for having a conversation with me. As you continue an evolution of your adoption journey, all of us get the chance to partake in the potentially healing experience of being connected within the community. Your website, becauseadoption.com, an Instagram page by the same name, is an abundance of inspiration for an adoptive or birth parent and most certainly for an adoptee. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.